My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And, in fact, will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate so to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you. And he will be in you. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. This is a weird conversation. It's in the middle of the Last Supper conversation that all of these things are taking place and the the disciples are asking all kinds of really important questions. I've always found this passage of Scripture fascinating because of some of the interesting Greek nuances that take place. You see, English is really the only language that I've ever known fully. I mean, I've taken classes in Spanish and German and Italian and French and Hebrew and Greek. But I've really never known how to speak any of them. I even fake when I speak Spanish. But what little I did learn about those languages has made me aware of some limitations of the English language. There are some concepts, for instance, that are hard to say in English. And without knowing another language, you can see what the direction and you can look at the directions to the to the new equipment now typically everything that we have is printed in in multiple languages when you buy something new <laughs> but some of those languages seem to say the same thing in fewer words now one of the places that i've encountered a limitation in english happens to be in our text today as my Greek professor would say, it's found in the second person plural. The closest that we have to that in English is our own southern y'all. But in the Greek, it's apparently easy to hear how Jesus starts answering Philip and begins addressing everyone. He changes from the you to y'all in the middle of our passage. Now, when I realized that my first response to this passage was right on target, the promises of this text are for the corporate 
body of the church, not for the individual members of it. This is 100% about the body of Christ. This is the dinner conversation between Jesus and his disciples. There have been several questions and answers, including this one. Now, I don't know about you all, but I have found that in civilized society, that when we have dinner conversations, there's two topics that you avoid, right? Religion and politics. Even in my own household growing up today, there are three ministers in my family, my mom, my dad, and myself, and my brothers who all attend church faithfully, and my sister, well, we just thank God that she still believes in God, and she goes everywhere she wants to go, and I love her for that, but when we sit down and we talk about what the church should be, right, which you all know is a dirty word to me, all of a sudden the conversation takes a dark turn. It's in the same way that we find the way we talk about religion. Now, does that mean that we talk about our faith angrily? No. What my family has learned to do is, is that we talk about how God moved and motivated us in a different way this week. And it kind of becomes awesome. But it took us a while to learn how to do that. The focus of this passage is at least from the perspective of Jesus is that he is leaving so they can become a part of something bigger. Now, like us, they want to cling to Jesus. They don't want him to die, but he knows the only way for the Holy Spirit to come and to give them power is for them to leave. Now, if we're being honest, it's easy to let someone else do something for us. And Jesus knows we can do far more than we think is possible but not as long as he is doing those things on our behalf. He must leave so we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But he isn't talking about individuals being filled with power. He's speaking about the community of faith. The church that is filled with power. The Holy Spirit will come to y'all. And y'all will be able to do far greater things than Jesus did. That's because when he leaves, we become the body of Christ. Now, Philip and Jesus are having a conversation that in a roundabout sort of way leads us back to the Spirit. Philip wants to see the Father, perhaps maybe even just to have a tangible way to grasp the phrase Father. Jesus, however, speaks in a different term. He says things like, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. To see the one is to see the other. The works, the words, the relationships, they're all interconnected. Jesus seems to say, finally comes the promise of the Spirit of Truth, the Helper the defense, the comforter who will be given to Jesus' followers but not given at random to the world. You see, the Spirit is the missing link that will not only abide with them but will abide within them. 
Now, while it's confusing and we get completely upset and we don't necessarily get our straight answer, that's the part I've always hated about this. Because in the midst of the questions, they're legitimate questions, right? It's the same ones that we say. God, if you're there, give me proof. God, if, if you could just do this, I will do that. You see, it's not that far off. Philip, this is just coincidentally, right after Thomas has said to him, Jesus, we don't know the way to where you're going. And then Jesus responds, yes, you do. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip's response is smart. He goes, well, show us the Father. It's confusing, but in the same place, Jesus cannot or will not offer anything beyond what he has already made available to Philip and the others. Just like us. Words and works that corroborate his witness to God's presence in Philip and each and every one of you. Who could do ever greater things than Jesus? He says that in verse 12, right? They'll do greater things in my name. Perhaps greater because of the more little Christ that the Spirit produces through Jesus going to the Father. Perhaps anything done after the events of Jesus are greater because they will reveal the completed story of the Word made flesh. And hence the fullness of God's love. But you see, the works are certainly not greater in the sense of quality or anything else intrinsic to the disciples themselves. They're greater in the sense of the quantity. John's gospel expresses the idea of the abiding presence of God and Jesus within the community and begins the foundation and the result of the community's love. Now folks, this is the burden that is placed upon our shoulder, upon y'all's shoulder. How is God's presence evident in the Christian community today? How is the work of the Holy Spirit manifested? One might ask, how do we pray effectively in the name of Jesus? Our world hurts and desires a sense of peace, love, and comfort that only the Holy Spirit can provide. And you are the vessels to share that. I know that it seems like a burden, but it's a gift. Like Thomas and Philip, thousands of years later, we are still talking about this one moment. Why do you think that is? It's because the conversation has not ended. It's not even in the middle. 
we've just introduced the topic and we're sitting around a dinner table having this discussion. How did the Spirit of God motivate us this week? So how do we motivate others in that same Spirit of God? This is not an easy task. But rather than continuing to stay silent like the rest of the world does, when we see injustice, we must speak in the ways of Jesus and talk about God's love. When the world stays silent about the injustices of taking care of the poor, the sick, and the hungry, we must not stay silent. When all of those that draw breath that are aching and in pain, that just need the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, we must speak of God's love and justice. Not in a way that turns people away from that, but in a way that shows and expresses that love where there's that embracing of that warm, tender hug that only can come from God's presence in our life. But it has to start simple with a conversation. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.